0: boys come on boys the boys are back and it's not great but i'll tell you what is great that is using blue chew if you have trouble getting an erection because you're sad at sports get blue chew you get your first month free if you use promo code armchair same fda approved ingredients as you'll find in viagra and cialis And you chew it so it's up to 10 times faster than that stuff. Also, if you need something to take, you know, your mind off of K-State basketball all season, get a gambling addiction. And if you're going to do that, go to mybookie.ag, promo code CHAIR, for a 100% deposit up to $1,000. You can gamble on other stuff to take your mind off of K-State basketball. So... It is what it is, um, Grant. Um, I guess we're just going to jump into it. Not only are we going to talk about K-State's disappointing loss to Oklahoma, but we will touch on the Liberty uh, Bowl. Uh, but we will try to end on a higher note talking about K-State football recruiting. So we're going to just uh, jump right in. Horrible loss. Uh, ends any sort of hopes. Uh, I Because I came into today thinking, you know what? Win, win today you know, maybe get to ten wins in conference, go to the nIT uh, build on it, but uh, all that is out the window what what's your mood like today
1: it's terrible <laughs> um, this is maybe the least I've ever wanted to talk about a game. Uh, just déjà vu the same shit over and over we're seven and six, and all of our losses look almost identical, um, conceding a lead late where you know we kind of had a grip on the game and then lost our way. In the second half, and couldn't get ourselves out of it. But it, And the worst part about it is it's almost always um, self inflicted wounds. And that's early, early into this third end of the season, that's kind of where we're at. And it's just really disappointing. Really disappointing.
0: It truly is. Um, if you look back on it, at one point, we had an 11 point lead uh, in the first half, uh, went on a scoring drought. And we went in at halftime only up three. Then we get up by double digits at least once, maybe even twice, going multiple scoring droughts, then end up losing the game. You said it that this is the, uh, the almost the exact same hallmark of every loss that we've had, except for maybe St. Louis, because I don't think we ever truly got out to a big lead versus them. Um, and it's just frustrating. And uh, for better or worse, this kind of reminds me of games – that we've lost all throughout uh, the Bruce Weber era, yep. which is why the folks who um, are upset with them, the folks who have never bought in, the folks that just don't like him, it's why he'll never get them off their backs. Because even coming off of the two seasons that we just had, an Elite Eight and uh, you know a Big Twelve championship, you see the exact same uh, you know downside to Bruce that we've seen throughout his entire time. Um, And I think that—honestly, I think that's probably why uh, folks are so pissed off. I almost think it'd be better for Bruce if we had all these exact same losses, but we never once held a big lead in any of them. Probably even better for him because you don't see the potential of what could be there. I mean, because there were times during this game where I thought we looked legitimately good.
1: There's been times all year where I thought we looked legitimately good, and I think we have— good players. I think we're more athletic this year than we were last year. Um, we've got three main, you know, our, our three main returners, Cardi, X, Mac. those guys are all good enough to play on any Big 12 team. And I think, honestly, the recruiting class has not, I mean, they are good players. They've exceeded my expectations. And I think that they are contributing to a level that is good enough to win. Like, I really believe that. I think that those young guys are playing really well and they're doing what they need to do to help this team win and we're just not getting it out of our big three. And I honestly, I think our big three are actually, like, contributing in terms of points, but it's in crucial moments where, the, where our leaders, our old upperclassmen, which should be leaders, are letting us down. I mean, how many times has Cardi fucking thrown the ball away? with a few minutes left in a critical possession where we just cannot do that. Um, it's just, it's really, really frustrating.
0: Yeah. And you, you hit the nail on the head. We'll get into talking about some of the individual performances, um, but you brought up Cardi. And then if you, if you looked at this in a vacuum, you'd see, Oh, seven assists, uh, 10 points, only two turnovers. You're thinking to yourself, okay, you know, that that's not that bad. But then when you see he went four of 12 from the field, and then you see those two turnovers, really came at crucial points in the game. uh, It's just head scratching and it's uh, is maddening because we've seen time and time again, good Cardi and he, he was awesome versus Tulsa. He was the big 12 player of the week last week. Uh, But then in these crucial moments and then uh, all throughout the first half, I mean, he only had one bucket in the first half. He was like one of, I think six or seven uh, in the first half. And he, he was a little bit better in the second, but those, very very bad timing turnovers it's just it's just maddening with him um what do you do with him for us this season do you just ride it out and hope that he figures it out and that he sticks around next year and is part of a team that gets to the postseason or if, if you're in Bruce's shoes how do you handle that
1: I don't know um it's a great question it's a great question um I just feel like I mean, it's got to come from coaching. A lot of these mistakes, I mean, everything kind of stems down, obviously, from the head coach. Um, uh, I I just feel like our two major deficits coming from Bruce in regards to Cardi is that – and this kind of spans throughout Bruce's entire career. He doesn't seem to instill – a whole lot of mental toughness into his teams. 13 games into the year, it's the same story over and over. We've capitulated these leads against teams that we are probably better than, and it all stems from the top. I mean, it stems from your leaders. And, you know, you can kind of look at it both ways. Elite coaches, I'm not calling Bruce elite, but, you know, elite coaches sometimes have that ability to coach that mental toughness into a player. A lot of times it's got to come from the player themselves, but that's one where I think that that's a coaching deficit where just across the board, these players are not mentally tough when it gets tough. When it, when the times get hard, we get sloppy. We turn the ball over, we start to panic and we lose these leads. And two, I feel like you have to know your players at this point. I mean, we're 13 games in Cardi made the same mistake over and over to where, you know, we, we have a lead. We're trying to protect a lead. We give the, we give up a sloppy turnover. And I feel like almost every time it comes from Cardi, and as a coach, you got to know your player. I think Cardi's probably our best player, so it's kind of a uh, a difficult situation because late in a game like that, you want to have, you probably want Cardi the ball in Cardi's hands. But I mean, don't put him in that situation anymore. Don't let Cardi bring the ball up when we're trying to hold on to a lead and there's two minutes left because he's proven time again that he can't handle that role right now. I think it's got to be David Sloan. I think it's got to be. Mike McGurl, anyone else. Get Cardi off the ball, you know, if you're trying to get him into a scoring position to where we need to extend the lead, that's fine. If you want him to take the shot every time, that's fine. But him bringing the ball up and and trying to be the, the general on the court, it is failing. It's failed over and over again, and that comes from coaching, in my opinion. I think it's a failure on Bruce's level.
0: Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I guess... Uh, where you would be correct is we don't know for sure that Sloan or McGurl can't do that because we haven't seen it we haven't seen them put in those situations um I but just we
1: know that Cardi can't I mean we but, know but
0: no, no 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 you we, we say that we know that uh and and again we have we have seen the bad and when it is bad it is bad but we didn't see that versus Tulsa. We've seen games where he has been able to do that. And again, I'm grasping at straws, obviously, uh, but even going as far back as to him being one of the guys uh, in that Kentucky game where he was the one bringing the ball up. He was distributing it. He was getting the ball to Barry Brown, all that type of stuff. I don't think it's as black as white as, Hey, he cannot do it. I think
1: my frustration, he can't right now. So I think you need to make an adjustment. Bruce needs to make an adjustment and, I mean, if it's as simple as sitting him down, and having an hour long conversation with him, like, what is going on in your head here? Get on film, break this shit down. And because I, I think we all think that Cardi is a really good player. And I mean, my opinion is that he should just kind of firmly be the two and work off the ball mostly. But I also do think that he is our best, you know, like natural ball player, at least at this point. It's a tough situation, but I mean, I think. At this point you as the head coach you gotta get a stranglehold on this problem and attack it aggressively or else we're just gonna keep seeing the same the same issues when it when it gets tough. Yeah, and, and I don't think you're wrong. And I, I just I guess it's definitely not that black and white. You're right, but God, I'm just pissed off.
0: <laughs> no, I, I agree with you. Um we'll talk about the guy who probably had the best game, uh, Xavier Sneed. He ended up with twenty two point six rebounds, but again, due to foul trouble. Uh, He missed a large chunk of the game, uh, basically spanning, I think, from around the nine minute mark to around the three minute mark because he got his fourth foul. And really, he wasn't that effective uh, until, I mean, for the rest of the game. He never quite got back into the rhythm. Let's talk about the good real quick before the bad. When Xavier Sneed was hot. It, w- it was the guy that we all were clamoring that he was snubbed for not being a preseason, all big 12 player. He looked like a guy who could have a professional career. We saw the, some of the best ball Xavier Sene has played all season. How pumped were you when you were seeing basically those 22 points go down, uh, during the good parts of this game?
1: It was great. I mean, that's where he thrives. Um, when, when X is hot from the perimeter, he's one of the best players in the conference. Um, his biggest problem is just he has a hard time creating off the dribble. If he could fix that, I think he could – I mean, he could easily play in the league because he's athletic enough and he's kind of like that. He could be that utility guy in the league, the, the scavenger like, like Rodney Magruder. I mean, he's got that ability, and he is not afraid to play very, very hard defense. So if he could create off the dribble, man, he'd be an unbelievable player, but – I think it's good. I mean, anytime you can have your player go off for 22 points, and what was he, five of eight from three, or he hit five points. I know that. Um, You know, it's got to be good for his confidence. But then again, losing the game in the end is probably what he's going to remember most.
0: Yep, definitely. So let's touch on it. Um, We're going to talk about fouls as a whole just here in a little bit. But he gets that (sighs) four-foul mark, and it comes down to something that has plagued Uh, Bruce And I don't think it's ever going to change, but it's the fact that once a guy gets two fouls in the first half, he's done until the second half. And then once a guy gets four fouls, he's done until the under four media timeout. Um, You know, everyone's going to criticize the coach if he fouls, if your best player fouls out with six minutes left in the game or picks up a third foul in the first half. Um so it, it definitely is a catch 22 and it's only talked about when you lose a game but uh a do I am I wrong is Bruce ever going to change this and b where do you land on that debate
1: Well first of all I think you're right um it is what it is it's what Bruce does I think you're 100% correct that it's not going to change um with that said no, I, don't, I do not agree with it. I think it's stupid. Um, I think it's cost us games more than once. Um, it cost us a game today, possibly. I mean, you can look at the alternative. Reeves, their guy, stays in the game with four fouls, and he basically, basically won the game for OU. I mean, he got hot, hit four threes in the second half, and this is with four fouls um sneed sat with four thousand. we completely could pitch a lead um it lost us the game last year in the tournament sitting barry for so long um it's gotten us in trouble sitting other players you know with mac several times where he's where he's had to sit on the bench for an extended period of
0: time. Uh, i'm i'm gonna just say with mac i think he's proven he can't be trusted
1: i also just think he's, he's just not i yeah he's, he's trending. i can
0: i can listen to you the argument with xavier sneed i can't with mac um I think we both agree, Snead plays good. We wish he wouldn't have gotten those fouls. And I'm with you. I think uh, I think Bruce shouldn't have hard and fast rules, but he, it is what it is. I don't think he's going to change. Let's talk about Mac just and, real quick. In regards oh, to Mac, ahead.
1: like with with that rule, I mean maybe not this year, but you know, th- there's been times where he's been a very important player for us, and he's had to sit for long periods of time. I get what you mean, though. You can't be he can't be trusted. I mean, if you left him on the floor, he'd foul out immediately. So. I agree with you there. I kind of just like understood what you said halfway through my sentence. So we can <laughs> no, move on.
0: You're fine. We'll, we'll talk about Mac real quick. He only played 18 minutes, which is a shame because when he was in there, he got nine points. He looked okay on the offensive end, but this is, this is where I get so frustrated with how Mac has played this year. Uh, because I, I owned up in uh, up <clears throat> to it last season and in the off season of, Hey, what Mac does on the defensive end, it is you know, so good, It's uh, he gets rebounds, he hedges on balls, all this type of stuff. I I owned up to him and said, hey, maybe folks are right. He has not shown any of that this year because he only got one rebound. And his fouls, and again, we'll talk about fouls in a little bit, none of them were aggressive defensive playing fouls. They were all lazy fouls. I, one of them, I believe, it was him just haphazardly throwing his arm in you know, under his own basket after they had already picked up a rebound. And then he's not aggressive on the boards at all. Anytime he goes up against someone who has any sort of size at all, he just got straight up, just just looked like he wasn't even trying uh, on, on the glass, which is my biggest frustration, because if you're going to foul out and you're going to be aggressive and you're trying to make a play, that's fine, but I feel like every single one of his fouls and, and again, may, maybe my biases are, are coming into play, but I felt like every single one of his fouls, I was just me rolling my eyes and saying, oh, there's bad Mac again.
1: Yeah, I mean, I just, I don't know what to do with him at this point. Um, and the problem I'm starting, is... I'm starting to think that um, Dean Wade made him a lot better because um, Dean was kind of there as a uh, another, like, kind of elite defender and probably took a lot of pressure off of Mac. Um and without him, Max kind of having to step up a little bit, and he just is proving that he's not quite there.
0: Yeah, and uh, I, I don't know. I just, I, I just feel like, outside of maybe one game in the non-conference, we've not seen this game where the McCall may wean defenders, or uh, yeah. even Mac himself, like even myself. I, I just don't think we've seen the peak. I think we've seen uh, Xavier Sneed have. A handful of games were, hey, yes, that is what we need from him. We've seen a handful of games Mm -hmm. from Cardi saying, hey, that's what we need from him. I don't – we've maybe had one from Xavier Seed and it was versus an absolute nobody. I mean, he got bullied by like the 300-pounder from FAU or FAMU. I mean, the guy just doesn't seem to want to even be around. And and that's, again, just so frustrating for me because – I you know I I was re- ready. I wanted to I want to be so wrong about him, but I, it, he's just not doing it. And uh, I don't know he 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 again him and Cardi just have been so frustrating uh, all season in so many games, and this one especially just didn't really even give us a shot down the stretch. Uh,
1: yeah, but, I mean that game sucked.
0: <laughs> yeah, and then here's the other that thing. Was Mike, worst you know, of all,
1: I think that was the worst of them all probably the worst loss we've had we blew Uh, the biggest lead probably at the we're up 11 with like 10 minutes left oh it was bad um lost to a stupid ugly white guy who's just cashing threes that never feels good
0: no it does not feel good um mike McGurl, uh he has the highest field goal percentage on the team uh hit a three early on i think he only took either one or no other shots rest of the game um When it comes to Mike McGraw, also had some foul trouble, but he ended up with only three. I thought he was decent on defense. But when it comes to him on offense, um, I'm almost to the point where I'm saying, hey, he has to run a sprint for every time he turns down a wide-open three because it happens multiple times a game.
1: Yeah, he's shooting pretty well. Um, I don't know what it is, a confidence thing. Maybe he just wants to protect the ball. But, yeah, I don't know. He's definitely... He seems to have kind of found his shot. Um, I love. I like that he's got a quick release. It's been a while since we've had a guy that's got a nice quick release on a three-pointer, but yeah, I, I agree. I mean, he needs to be shooting more. His percentages and, are proving that he's he's improved. And it's
0: crazy because I, I believe there was a time last year or maybe even one of the earliest games this year where I was saying, hey, he needs to understand he's not the guy uh, and he shouldn't be shooting as much. But, you know when you're the best shooter on the team and he's like the only guy who had, I, I if he only had one shot, I don't know if the ESPN box score is correct when I pulled this in, but I mean, everyone else who played had more than one shot. There is no reason for him, for the guy, for the season he's having, the efficiency he's having to only get up one shot. So that's all I had on him. Um, I, I just want to touch real quickly on the newcomers. I'm going to gloss over Levi Stockard. He is who he is. He had a great game versus St. Louis, but outside of that, hes it, it's just rough to be in a position that we have to play him at the five as much as we um, – throughout the game, I was very encouraged by all three of the true freshmen, uh, Montavious Murphy, Antonio Gordon, and DeJuan Gordon. Yeah. But then when you look at the box score, and again, this, this turns into being uh, the, the problem with this team uh, – you think, oh hey, Montavious Murphy had a good game. He was one of four from the field. You're like, oh yeah, I liked what Antonio Gordon was bringing to the to the court. He was one of nine. You're like, oh, Dejuan, one, one of one of the best games yet, three of seven. Um, so my
1: question I'm going that is, to post. That to, is yeah, surprising.
0: Yeah, it is surprising because you see the way they play, and I think this is kind of where I get upset with Cartier and Mac, and maybe it's because of their demeanor, and uh, they maybe just don't show as much emotion. Maybe that's the, uh, you know, kind of the Dean Wade Wade syndrome. Some people would criticize his quote-unquote effort uh, and his passion because he didn't show it as much. And I I was one of the people who did say that type of stuff uh, his junior year, so I'll hand up. I might be making the same mistake. But the way they act on the court, and maybe, like I said, maybe I'm falling under traps that I don't even like, but just doesn't seem like they're going 110%, 110 miles per hour when they're out there, but these newcomers, you do see that. I mean, Montavious Murphy, anytime there's a rebound, he wants to go after it. Dejuan Gordon, he's picking up the guy full court every single time he's on the floor. Antonio Gordon has no fear. I think when by the time he's an upperclassman, he's going to be getting buckets, 20 points a game. Um, but for the purpose of this year, uh, you look at that those stat lines and you just kind of think to yourself, well, damn. If any of those guys could do just a little bit more, maybe we're not in this situation. Do you want to kind of continue to pump the brakes, hold back? Are you at the point where it's like, hey, baptism by fire? Because I think that's yeah. an under under uh, appreciated point out how Cam Stokes, Barry Brown, and Dean Wade got to the point where they did. They were given the keys basically when they were freshmen, and that season wasn't great. But they had their baptism by fire. They, hey, they're starting, they're playing big minutes from day one. We're not seeing either way on these guys. They're not necessarily being protected. But for the most part, it isn't, hey, all in on yeah. all three of these guys. Where do you land on it? I don't feel that we have enough depth to, you know, coddle them. I don't think
1: that's an option. Um, but Do you have the box score up? Uh I had it on my Look phone. Look it up and tell me what their minutes are. But, um, ESPN's um, yeah, little is surprising late to that out there. Because,
0: you know... There we are. I have it. Um Yeah, go ahead. So Montavious Murphy, 24 minutes. Antonio Gordon, 18. days 27. So I guess that kind of comes back in my face because those are a lot of minutes.
1: I think that that's a, a good amount. Thing. Like, um, in regards to them, you know... I, I think it is. It is surprising that if you look at those those box scores. That's not very good. But I mean, these guys are getting themselves into really good spaces. I think they work really hard. They're proving that they're athletic. They get boards. I'm not that worried about them. You know, not being prolific scores right now. Not even being efficient scores right now. Because, um, like you said, I I agree. They're getting that baptism by fire in a way. Um, and I think. I think they're laying a good foundation for the program and for themselves kind of to build on in the future. They're doing a lot of good things right as true freshmen that they can build on moving forward. And I think that the scoring, that stuff will kind of come, I think. Um, You know, time will tell. If three years down the road they're still shit scorers, then they're just not very good at scoring the basketball. Um, But right now I don't think that we can say that. I think what we're seeing from them is uh, mostly positive. So uh, my disappointment comes mostly from, <laughs> from coaching and from, from our leaders. I've, I like, I like a lot, all of our freshmen quite a bit. Yeah. one I'd like, last. I'd like to let them. Yeah. I mean, I think the minutes they're getting now, let's keep that amount. And maybe I'd be willing to give them even more.
0: <laughs> all right. So he, here's, here's the final question when it comes to the freshmen, when you look at, Uh, the minutes distribution. Uh, Levi Stockard had 17 minutes. Antonio Gordon had 18. Uh, Montavious Murphy had 24. Here's my question. When Mac inevitably gets in foul trouble, do you want the first option now to be Montavious Murphy sliding down to the five? Despite that, that is 100% not his natural position and just, Hey, bang on it. Hey, this is what we need you to do. Um, you are our number two five and then bring in Antonio Gordon to play those minutes at the four and only bring in Stockard when one of those two guys needs a blow or God forbid get in foul trouble. Or do you want to continue on having Levi be the first option to spell Mac when he gets in foul trouble?
1: I mean, at this point I defer to the freshman. I'd probably prefer Montavious Murphy. Yeah, that is not his natural position, but I think he's more suited for the five than Levi Stockard is. He's he. He seems way more athletic to me than Levi Stockard, and um, getting him that time and experience now early I think is going to be more valuable. I mean, we kind of know what Levi Stockard is. He's mostly pretty average. Occasionally he can pop up and surprise us, but um, I'd much rather develop Montavious Murphy. And I think a thing, I, I at least what seems to be a trend with these freshman guys, is they're all pretty selfless um, at this point. They, they just want to get in and bust their ass, and I don't think Montavious Murphy would have – any real problem being played out of position if it gave him a lot more minutes.
0: All right. And then the the biggest talking point to come out of the game is the amount of fouls, uh, the free throws that Oklahoma got. Um, I think it is safe to say Oklahoma hitting the amount of free throws they did played a massive role in them winning the game. It's what kept them within uh, 10 and 11 instead of letting us stretch it out to 15 to 17 on Twitter it was a uh, – the foul discrepancy was a big talking point. You and I talked about it. I was in group chats and talked about it. There are some people who are really pissed off
1: about it. Um, and that's fair. You yeah, should be it, pissed off because, I, I mean, I genuinely think, yeah, probably the refs favored Oklahoma, but that fucking happens every single game in basketball. Like the home team is almost always favored, and we are an aggressive, aggressive defensive team. We have an aggressive offensive identity. Our tendencies are to be getting into passing lanes and to make it very difficult for offenses. So fouls are going to be called on K-State often. But I can guarantee you that a little bit down the road, we're going to be in Bramlage, and the foul discrepancy is going to be massively in our favor, and no one's going to say a word about it.
0: Yeah, and and, I agree with you. And I probably should stop white knighting this uh, on the internet when it comes to referees. I, that's the thing that I... It's probably my biggest trigger point in all sports is when people just go all in and say that... Basically make it seem like there's a conspiracy. I agree with you that, hey, there are some calls in there that 100% were wrong. It happens in every sport. And usually, like you said, it favors the home team. It happens. But I, I guess where I come from is, hey... You take care of business; it wouldn't have mattered.
1: And That's typically, I, yeah. I mean, you have to look at it that way. Like, teams find ways to win. Um, sometimes, you know, I, I mean, I'm all, <laughs> hey, I'm all for like shitting on referees because I think the standard of referees across the board in a lot of sports is unbelievably low. Um, it's a very, very hard job, though. So I kind of, I, I do give them the benefit of the doubt sometimes, but I do feel like refs. Low, pretty much in every sport, and they don't—they <laughs> just aren't getting better. It doesn't seem like they're getting better. Um, I don't know. Basketball just seems like the most egregious one, too. Like, I think basketball is the, tuff- it's well, it's the so toughest. It's gotta be so hard too. yeah. It's it's the toughest because the way the
0: law is written in basketball, it's kind of like holding in football. I think you can find a foul, a foul can on almost every play, and, and I get it. And, and again, I again, I should probably just shut my mouth. I should let people act like iowa state fans on twitter instead of getting them all pissed off because i call them on their shit but i i don't know i i would just i don't
1: know. i think know. there's it, a difference between like i mean i get it i i get where you're coming from but i get where also people's frustrations are coming from but there is like a i think there's a difference between like i mean iowa state legitimately thinks that like refs are against them it's weird but like I don't
0: know I, I was giving that vibe from K fan and and again there's a difference like K S U fan uh, and then uh, M J uh, you know Michael he make it rain whatever he goes by on the internet these days they were the what they were pointing out is fine but it's it's the rabble rabble refs yeah. seven to two foul call touch call it both ways rabble 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 and not acknowledging the difference. And how K-State plays defense and the way Oklahoma plays defense. Because here's the thing. We are contesting almost every basketball movement on the floor. When you get a crew that's going to call it, hey, you're fucked. Like, yeah. it is what it is. But Oklahoma, they were playing, like, a full arm's length off until we were inside the three-point I mean, they were playing obviously zone, primarily, yeah like Obviously, there's going to be a difference. And that's, that's where I get frustrated. Um, and, again, it, it, people can – can think I'm wrong and think that I'm, you know, trying to make some weird stance, that's fine. I'm not telling you guys you're wrong because you're probably right. I hate seeing fans bitch about the referees. But if you're not going to acknowledge the difference in how K-State plays versus how Oklahoma plays, and multiple different teams play, then it is what it is. There isn't a defensive-aggressive team that is as aggressive as us, except for West Virginia. And, of course, when we play them, uh, we're probably going to lose by 50 but there's going to be like 300 fouls. Both yeah. teams are probably going to foul out their entire team. It is what it is. Um, so I don't know. I just had to get that off my I
1: thoughts. mean, I, I agree with you. But let's put a bow on basketball. Um, right now we're sitting 7-6. Um, one game in the hole in the Big 12. You know, not a lot of positives that we can really hope for going forward. But what do you want to see out of the out of the squad for the rest of this season?
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I'm trying to, I'm <laughs> trying to really pull up our actually. schedule because, like, if, if I am trying to go, hey, best-case scenario, you have TCU at home, then you're at Texas, then you get Texas Tech at home, and then West Virginia at home, then you're at KU before you play at Alabama. If in some weird world over the next one, two, three, four, five, six games – if you can find a way to win four out of those six, which seems impossible, it's probably impossible. Then I would say, hey, full speed ahead. Let's let's just see what happens over the next stretch of games. Assuming that doesn't happen, which it won't, I'm almost to the point where uh, I don't even want to see McCall Maywean on the f- floor. Um, I, he and it sucks. That I I don't like feeling this way because he's gonna he's he's been at K State. For three years, he's started every game since he's been at K State. He's probably going to be the basketball player I underrate more uh, than I should. I, I acknowledge that it is what it is. Um, I wish I didn't feel this way. I just, I just
1: don't. I think a lot of people are going to be agreeing with you though. But, I, but <laughs> I don't pretty, want to start him anymore. He's pretty maddening. I,
0: he's pretty. I mean, because at that point, the only reason why I wouldn't say, hey, also uh, bench Xavier Sneed, who's a senior, is because. I think there's a real legacy with Xavier Sneed. I think he can uh, continue to go up the record books, books, um, and kind of polish out what I think is a, a noble career for K State. And again, that is, I, I, it's very unfair for me to say, hey, I don't want to play McCall Maywean. I want to give Montavious Murphy and Antonio Gordon as many minutes as possible, but not hold Xavier Sneed to the same standard. That is, it's egregious of me. It's not right. Uh, I that's like I acknowledge it, but I I just don't I I just don't want if if the season's over. I don't see any reason to continue to play Mac when you have two guys that will be around uh, the next time K-State makes a run either in the tournament or at the Big 12.
1: Um, Yeah, I I mean, I agree. There's not a whole lot of like tangible things that we can achieve going forward this year. Let's I mean, we're not going to make the tournament unless we go on some unprecedented run in the conference which we're already down, you know, are already back a game. No. I, I mean, I highly doubt that. We would have to get to probably 22 total wins.
0: Oh, it's not happening. I mean, yeah. It, it, I mean, it's it's not happening. The hypothetical
1: of getting to the tournament is like you have to jump through a million hoops. But but is it is it is it worth,
0: uh, you know, not going all in on the true freshman in an attempt to try to get an nit bid? I guess is the next question.
1: I w- I would. I mean, I would start. I mean, I would start transitioning to that, like putting more emphasis on developing the freshman, especially at max position, at max position at least. you know, I want well, to develop I mean, those big guys for sure.
0: Because I, I, I could make an argument that, hey, it might be even more important to start giving, getting days one minutes at the three and cutting back on X. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. It, but that's not in Bruce's nature. That's not in the team's nature. They're not going to throw the white flag up. Um, and do that. It's just what I want to see. I just want. It's getting to the point where I all I all I'm looking for is to see the development of the young guys, um, and hopefully Cardi figuring stuff out because I'm hoping he sticks around, figures it out next year, and he's kind of the him and Mike are senior beacons that kind of lead us into uh, the next year of K State basketball. Yeah. Um,
1: for the rema- so that's yeah. where I'm at. So for me, for the remainder of this year. I think most importantly, I want to hold on to this core of players, <laughs> steadily improve. We can't lose anyone else to transfers, but I think, I mean, I think these freshmen are pretty good, and we can build our program going forward with them as a foundation and with the guys we have coming in. I think the future is bright. Um, I want to see us, you know, find success in difficult situations. Today was another opportunity lost. Um, you build. I think you build the most experience and you build mental toughness in situations like today. And we need to breed some leaders out of this team because we don't have any real leaders right now. Um, So I think that's the most important thing going forward is, you know, let's, we're not, I mean, yeah, we're not going to make any, we're not going to make the tournament. We might make the NIT. And then of course there's the, what, cba tournament that's well no
0: if, if, if we don't make the nit screw the other ones but here's the thing about the nit you have to have a winning record to yeah. get there we're only a game above 500 i i,
1: I, I mean those are I, a long ways off right now um, i don't think we end up doing it i don't either so. <laughs> i mean frankly but hey guys if that didn't make you feel good <laughs> enough we're going to transition into the uh, Gut-wrenching Liberty Bull loss. K-State drops uh, the game to Navy 20-17. to 17. Um, Tough, 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 tough way to end the year. Um, and everything kind of – all of our ugly warts kind of showed their faces in that final game.
0: Yeah, I mean, you had dropped passes, uh, horrible tackling at first contact. Um, Skyler had some happy feet in the pocket. The offensive line uh, failed to protect him a couple times. Um, and then uh, some questionable uh, stretches of play calling. I understand what Messingham yeah. was trying to do. But, uh, you know, he's he's run into issues where um, after he gets out of his initial script, he'll hit a, you know, a rough patch in play calling, which, um, you know, it is it is what it is. I, I'm definitely not nearly as down on him as some of the folks were. I mean, I, th- I think he'll be fine. But, you know, like like you said, all the warts were there. And, uh, it's, it was the worst possible team to do it because yes. Navy, Navy forces you to have basically only six possessions. Uh, you can get away with four really bad possessions versus Texas tech. Cause you're going to get eight more.
1: Yeah. I mean, you're not getting that with Navy. Honestly, <laughs> I hated everything about this game. Um, I tried to convince myself that it would be like cool to play Navy, but my first instinct was correct. Um, You know, yes, they're a historic program, I guess. They're unique, but like five seconds into that game, I realized well, five seconds into their first possession, I realized that at one, I didn't give a shit about Navy at all, but they are just like maddening to watch the wishbone, every goddamn play. I mean, ugh. And it just felt like we were the better team across the board, but there was nothing that we could do about it because they just have this monotonous, just slow, painstakingly, like, offense that is difficult to defend, but it's not explosive at all. So it just felt like it just puts so much pressure on you to, to execute. And it, it was just, ugh, it was miserable. And the Liberty Bull sucks.
0: Yeah, the Liberty Bull sucks. It's horrible. Um, what wasn't horrible was that opening drive, though. And this is what really frustrated me because I thought watching yes. that opening drive, I'm like, oh, my God, we're going to freaking – beat them 60 to four uh I, I was thinking all right we're moving the ball and then the first you know gross play happened jordan brown he i think he got his hands on it but i mean gotta call a spade a spade Skylar thompson had a bad throw to him If it's a good throw that's a touchdown uh but they rebounded they picked up first downs they're moving the ball they're moving the ball then the aggressiveness i liked the aggressiveness on it i think we went for it on like three or four fourth downs on a fourth down, you have a surefire touchdown, great play call, great route run, great throw. Then Phillip Brooks drops it. Um, yeah. At that point I I got concerned. Um, and then <sighs> the other thing that just completely demolished my morale was uh, after a Malik Knowles, he had, I think this was in the second half. He has that big return. All of a sudden you're like, all right, here we are. We're about to score again. Then you had penalties, a bad snap. And then all of a sudden you're punting the ball after you, You know, had it, I think, almost already in field goal range just off the kickoff return. I mean, those two drives and how they ended just really was like getting your nuts just rolled over by like a semi. It was just disgusting.
1: It was bad. I want to ask you just a yes or no question. Do you think offensively we were too conservative, like macro level? Yes,
0: yes, yes, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then
1: follow-up question to that, and you can expand. Do you think that the early drops dictated that?
0: No, I think the game plan always was going to be, Hey, uh, and and at the core of this offense, it is, Hey, we want to control the ball. uh, We want to control the tempo and it's not going to be a fast tempo. It's slightly quicker than we became accustomed with Bill Snyder, but at the end of the day, at the core, that is what a Courtney Messingham offense is. Um, And I, For this game, I don't like it. I mean, we saw how it worked. I mean, it worked versus Oklahoma. The play calling worked, and we were able to pop some plays versus Oklahoma, which kind of sped the tempo of the game up. But I think the plan was, hey, we're going to score when we get the ball, and we're going to basically out Navy-Navy, which I think was, (laughs) at the end of the day, the
1: wrong call. I think that that was a mistake. I mean, because – I mean, I don't know if it dro- if early drops dictated this at all, but it did feel like we would have had at least we had the ability to to test them deep. I mean, I know Navy's like they throw a lot of different defensive looks at at you to make it you know kind of confusing, but after that early after that first drive, we didn't really attack their secondary deep until our backs were against the wall and we had to, and it worked. It worked both times that we were like, let's, I mean, let's go deep. Let's attack them. And both times it worked. And it just seemed like that large chunk in between those two, the very beginning, and the very end of the game. I mean, we were just so conservative and just trying to establish, you know, our, our game plan that we wanted. And it's like, we didn't know our opponent. I don't know. It was frustrating.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with you. And, uh, you know, may, maybe the drops didn't have something. I mean, I I wouldn't think so
1: because – I wouldn't think so know, either, but –
0: Because we've had those issues all year long. You know, yep. I, it, it has been, like, one of my frustrations with it. it but you, it is such a young receiving core. I think they're going to get better. Um Three out of
1: five starters, walk-ons, and a lot of freshmen. I mean, it is what it is. got to look yeah. at it that way as well.
0: That is true. Um, one one real quick thing, and I think uh, at least with the ball on in our hands, the best play was Brooks getting that return touchdown uh, that really, you know, kept us in the game because, you know, without that, of course, it's a much uglier score line. Um, I do think it is fun. That is our fifth return for a touchdown this year and the third different guy. Yeah. Uh, just proving that, hey – um, the guys up front, they know how to block it, and they've kept schemes that have been around uh, forever. And some folks try to point to, oh, Sean Snyder, all this type of stuff. But, hey, you know, we took back a lot of kicks even under Ron Prince. I think there's just something in the DNA, uh, you know, it's you know great. Now through three, four different coaching tenures. Uh, Bill the first time, the entire Ron Prince era, Bill the second time, and now – under Coach Kahn. I mean, they just have guys who are willing to put the effort in and take it back to the house. Um, how crazy is it that, you know, five in one year and three different guys? I don't know if that's ever happened.
1: I mean, it's, it's unreal. And yeah, I was so frustrated Brooks dropping that, that touchdown pass basically on the first play, but you know, his punt return kind of canceled that out. It was early. It was a good answer to their first drive. Um, it's it's nuts. I mean, the last, like, 30 years, we have had so many different weapons, but I think it's just a testament to, you know, I, shit, Pat Mahomes was tweeting about it, and Skyler, or not Skyler, uh, Tyler Lockett, did you see Pat's tweet about, Yeah, he was like, why is he saying yeah. God, I keep saying Skyler, Tyler Lockett replied to him and said, it's because you gotta have, a group of guys that want to be out there. And I think that that's like consistent with K-State. We've got, we put our guys on the field that are well-drilled and sometimes we have our best players on the field in special teams. And that's the difference between K-State and other programs is that, you know, we use special teams as kind of like part of our offense. I mean, it's such a huge weapon for us and it's been such a big equalizer for us. Like over the last three decades, it's, it's unreal. Like, it's just great. I love it.
0: I love it. Yep, definitely. And then you're cor- correct. I incorrectly was saying kick was saying kick return. You are right. Obviously, was a punt return. Um, so I'll just correct my own uh, verbiage there. It, um, we'll- it
1: was one of those returns that like you just kind of. I felt like as soon as the ball was punted, you kind of knew you might take it back because he had like 20 yards of space. So it was just a line drive, laser punt. And he had time to pick his lane for at least 10 yards and get get all that momentum. So I love it, man. It's my favorite play, like, in football, a punt return. No, it is a lot of fun. I will
0: give a shout-out to Devin Engdahl, who, you know, final game at K-State, he ended up having some good punts. He will leave K-State as the best punt, uh, punt average yeah, in the history of the program, uh, surpassing Sean Snyder, obviously, because he will not have – all-american recognition he won't end up in the uh ring of fame because that's how uh sean got up there as being an all-american punter but you know he was great and then of course blake lynch hit the kicks he needed um so special teams continue to roll on we'll touch real quick on the defense um at the end of the day you held them under their very lofty uh yards per game average but it came down to what K-State has been great at all season. Like, literally, number one in the nation. <laughs> yes, yeah. third, third and fourth down defense. Um, gave up close to 50% of the third downs. Maybe went two of two on fourth down. Um, and, and that doesn't even include jumping off sides on a fourth and three that got them. Um, just not talking about, you know, the two trick plays that ultimately – Decide the fate of this game. Um, so, excluding those two plays, what, what did you think about the defense, and uh, what was your takeaway uh, outside of those?
1: I mean, on the whole, I felt like the defense played pretty well. I thought, especially our defensive line. I thought we were really disruptive. I thought we handled uh, we handled the the fullback very well. We were. I mean, who's our, what's your quarterback's name? Fuck. Oh. Is it Marshall or something? Maybe. I don't, I don't know. Who cares? But, I mean, he's just a really good player. And um, when you have that, like, triple option um, and he's he's keeping it, he's just – he was really slippery. He, he reminded me a lot of L, the way he – Perry. Perry. Perry Matt, yeah, okay. Um, you know, he, he was just – he was really good. And when he, when he had an inch, he would take – he would take a, like a mile, um, very good at being elusive and and slipping through tackles. But I thought, you know, on the whole, we played pretty well, but it was pretty maddening for how good we've been on third down this year and big moments. It seems like we've conceded some pretty gut punching plays, but you know, of course we all remember those big plays and don't give enough credit to being, being number one in the nation on third down. That's just kind of what we do though.
0: Yeah, I I agree with, I agree with you. Um, also to kind of go in just before because we're about to talk about the two trick plays but even that the first touchdown was the pass uh the only thing that i really will hammer home and criticize uh an individual player for a play i really wish lance robinson would have attacked the ball in the air because that was just right to be picked off and he was just hoping it would slip to him again that's a young guy that that type of a uh, ball hawkishness will come with experience. I but think you should
1: re-watch that play. Should I? Um, okay. So that was my first instinct, and I think you're right, but also kind of wrong, because they they showed a replay of that play from a different angle, like kind of from behind him, and he, I mean, he just did not have a very good angle, and maybe that's on him, but had he tried to go up for I think he could probably could have knocked it down, but um, the way that, like, the ball was thrown, and the way that the the player was angled, um, you know, Lance was trying to tr- kind of trying to come from behind. And if he would have gone for the pick, he would have had to basically gone through the player entirely. Okay. Um, it was it would have been difficult for him to like go up and meet the ball like at the highest point um, because the the bay like the navy player's back was like kind of positioned in between the ball and Lance, so like okay. kind of had like a good position to box him out, but. I mean, I, I agree. I mean, I think he was just – his positioning wasn't very good. He probably could have been more aggressive. But my initial instinct was, like, how did he not pick that? And then they showed that replay again, and I kind of understood it. But I would agree with you kind of on the whole. But maybe give it a rewatch, and he, it might change your mind a little bit.
0: I, I'm sure it will, and that, that's a good point. Um, all right, so let's talk real quick. Uh, two trick plays, really, uh, the undoing of K-State. Um, it was – Basically, it was a reverse. I think he had a option to pass, but uh, he had the running lane. Just punched it in. I believe that was on a third down, uh, as well. For I think that was maybe second touchdown. Um,
1: have we stopped a single trick play this year. Um, I don't think, uh, yeah. Have you ever have you ever thought that our defense might be too aggressive? Wow. I mean,
0: well, yeah. I mean, I I, I don't know. Um, but yeah, that was on a third and seven. And, of course, uh, it, it worked out. And then the final one, uh, just the play, we'll talk about uh, some of the de- decisions surrounding uh, that final trick play. But, again, just aggressive um, coming up, trying to make sure they got that stop and get the ball back. Sure enough, uh, allowed the wide receiver to streak free. Um, is that what you're going to chalk it up to, just being a little too aggressive? Um, and then would you change it? Because you're right. No I mean, there –
1: Never. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I like I like, I like um, Hazleton's overall like uh, game plan. I like that we're aggressive. It's something we've been lacking for years. Um, we've clearly improved defensively. It is frustrating though, because I I mean, off the top of my head, we've been burned on five trick plays this year that I can remember. TCU got us, Oklahoma got us twice, Navy got us twice, and they were all touchdowns, and all of them were in like pretty crucial times of the game. So. Navy's were really frustrating though because that's just just the way that they play. You know, we keep them bottled up for so long and then they burn you on this beautiful trick play, and it just makes you want to rip your hair out. But um, I wouldn't change you know this defense's identity. I, I mean, you don't get to number one in, in the nation on third down being being conservative and conceding space.
0: Yeah, I saw someone uh, popping off. I think it was on the message boards saying, "Are we ever going to figure out third and fourth down?" Then he quoted the two the two trick plays and then not getting the stop at Texas. And I just and I just and laughed. Hey, I, and
1: <laughs> like I said, <laughs> that's what you do as a fan. You remember those plays. The overall picture is excellent, but those plays are tough to swallow, so they stick with you. And you know, that's just a natural human tendency, I think, but. You know, I think people right. will learn from it. Hopefully, going forward, um, because we were we whiffed on all on defending pretty much every trick play this year. But I, I mean, I love the trajectory of our defense, and you just got to learn from it going forward. Be a little, be aggressive, but also you got to be a little conservative on those third downs. I think.
0: Well, I'm going to, I'm just going to let uh, Hazleton coach the defense. I wouldn't change any of it. I will talk to you about this because this is something that. I think a lot of folks would like to go back and change. I'm split in the moment and it's Navy's getting ready to run a fourth down play. I was saying call a timeout, call a timeout. But I was saying that before I even saw them lined up, I always favor trying to get the timeout uh, after the third down play um, and then make them kick it. So they aren't able to run it all down. Um, Afterwards, when I, I tried to take a step back and think about it, I, I understood uh, what Coach Klein was trying to do. He, he was probably thinking they're going to try to get him to jump off sides, and he was already in the mm-hmm. mindset of, hey, you know, even if, even if we do get the ball and they punt it and even if we stop them, it's still a long ways to go to try winning regulation. And that's just, for better or worse, his calling card this year he's been very conservative when it comes to uh, end of half and end of now we got to see end of game timeout usage Um, in the moment. What was your opinion? Uh, Four days later, how are you feeling and moving forward? What would you like to see?
1: Yeah. Kleiman kind of has a tendency to do that, doesn't he? He he likes to let things kind of play out. Um, I wonder if he, I wonder if he's going to adjust that going forward, but you know, none really. I mean, four days later. Four days later, I'm kind of over it. Um, but at the time, I, I mean, at the time, I really, I didn't think about calling a timeout at all. I think, um, I think in hindsight, yeah, it would have been wise to call a timeout in general. Um, one to give yourself, you know, if in case they somehow do some bullshit trick play and they score, you got to give yourself some time, um, you know, at the end of the game to give yourself a chance to to match that, but. In this specific situation, uh, it seems so obvious now when you look back on it. They're at the 50. Why would they just let the clock run out? I don't know. But in hindsight, probably call timeout, but I never really thought of it at that point. Who would have expected them to do a halfback halfback pass down to the 10-yard line? I mean, they just burned us. They got us there, and I think maybe it's something we'll learn going forward. I mean – who the hell knows? I, I, but at this point, no. I I wasn't even really thinking about calling a timeout. I was conceding that they were just going to try to run it and run it to the overtime and take their chances there.
0: Well, that game is over. We will try to either do a full football season review episode or attach it to a Monday show similar to this one moving forward. So keep it just to the bowl. Let's get some um, good Yeah, uh, just real quick, uh, does it? do you still have a sour taste? Um, what are you going to think back to this bowl game or have you already like, who even cares? I don't even think about it.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm over it. Uh, it's a bowl game against a stupid opponent. Um, losing, I think losing this game and winning, it doesn't really change my feelings going forward. It doesn't change my feelings about, you know, the whole of the season. Um, I still have the same concerns about the, um, roster going forward and I still have the same positive opinion opinions going forward. Um, I wish we could have won, you know, to get nine wins, obviously, but eight and five, excellent first year. You know, we've had some serious highs. We've beat all of our rivals. You know, we laid a really good foundation. Everything seems to be kind of trending up, in my opinion.
0: I agree with you, and we will end on a good note. Um, k got a four-star quarterback commitment. It's the first four-star uh, commitment of the uh, Chris Kleiman era. Um Jake Rubley, he's out of Colorado, um, chose K-State over LSU, Michigan, Colorado, Iowa, Michigan State, Penn State, Wisconsin, and many other Power 5 offers. Um, If you're on KSO like we are over on the Rivals Network, Derek Young uh, is basically confirming all those offers were real. It isn't one of those situations where you look at a kid's offer sheet where he claims, Oh, LSU and Alabama offered, but Hey, really, it wasn't a committable offer. This was a committable offer. He made multiple visits to LSU, including an official visit. That was a quarterback that Ed Orgeron and the eventual national championship Tigers. Yeah, I'm saying it. Um,
1: you're
0: a big player. <laughs> well, we'll we'll save that for another day, maybe. But I, that, that was a guy that they wanted in their program. It's a guy that Michigan, Michigan State, Wisconsin, all these big ten programs wanted. It's a guy that the hometown uh, Colorado Buffaloes desperately wanted, but Messingham, Klein, and Kleiman got in there and got the job done. Um, how massive was that? How pumped were you when you saw that? Because you you texted me, I think your exact quote was,
1: I'm horny. Um, do you want to elaborate on that? <laughs> um, I'm going to – now. I'm going to save that one just for me. But first, I'm glad you said that about K-State Online. Guys, head over there and subscribe if you're not subscribed. Derek Young covers recruiting and does an outstanding job. It's almost too much at times, um, the amount of work that they put in over there. Um, if you want to follow K-State recruiting, if you if it's new to you, I mean I really started following recruiting closely probably a year ago, maybe a little longer ago. But they make it so much – they make it easy for you, they make it easy to understand, um, they make it kind of fun to follow. Um, so I would go over there and subscribe. I mean we've been pimping those guys out for as long as we've been on this podcast, and it's for good reason because they're elite. That said, yeah, his list was crazy long. I mean – all of the, it was like, like you said, LSU, Michigan, Colorado, Iowa, Michigan State, and like probably 15 other schools. Um, best recruit since Lamarck Brown, I believe. It's a massive statement. Um, it's also extremely refreshing. It just shows how beneficial it is to, you know, build relationships early on with these kids. I mean, this is the 2021 class. This is so new for, for us, um, for K-State. Um, establishing relationships early. It's super beneficial. Um And it's great. It's it's great. It washed the taste out of my mouth of that Navy game. I mean, I immediately basically forgot about it and started thinking about the future. Um, So it's great. It's exciting. Um, The foundation right now for that class is really good. And I'm excited to see just how better it can get, how much better it can get.
0: Yep, definitely. This is the first true class that, hey, this is what we can hope to see. Because even with last class, uh, which was a lot of this staff, Uh, Coach Kleiman, Taylor Bratt, everyone has said, hey, you want at least, you know, a full, you know, 18 months, two years to establish connections before the signing day to truly make as big an impact as you can. This is going to be the first class where they get all that time with them. And uh, that's exciting to see. Um, And then real quick, just so people understand how good a prospect this is. So we'll start with Rivals. That is our preferred spot. We love Derek Young. We like what Rivals does. Um, They have him as the 228th best player in the nation. That's regardless of state, regardless of position, number 228. They have him as the 13th best quarterback and the number two player in Colorado. That's amazing. They're the lowest on him out of the big three. 247 has him as the 141st best prospect, 10th best quarterback in the nation, number one player in Colorado. And then ESPN, for what it's worth, I, I... I don't think they're the best of the three. I think they're probably the worst, but they do have him as the number 28 player in the nation, the third best quarterback in the nation, the number one player in Colorado. Um, so so take it for what it's worth. Um, it's just insane to see those type of rankings associated with a player like this.
1: Well, I will take ESPN as gospel in this, in this <laughs> scenario and pimp out the 28th best player in the nation coming to K-State. But it's great. I mean, and it's also early days. I mean, he's a 2021 class, so you know he he can go up from here. I mean, rivals all, tends to reevaluate after. Well, they reevaluate often, and you know maybe he maybe he can improve. I mean, he may just climb even higher in the ratings.
0: He definitely could. Um- and then real quick, the last thing we'll touch on, you you talked about it. The 2021 class is off to super hot start along with this great quarterback. We've already talked about it, the number one, three, and four prospects in the state of Kansas. Um, do you think that, hey, amongst these four, we have the big names, the linchpins, the marquee names, the names that everyone is going to look at? Or are you holding out hope? Are you thinking, hey, maybe a, another guy or two with these lofty expectations, these, uh, you know, marquee names as i like to say we still have a few more of those
1: hell hell why not i mean we've only we've only touched like the what a little eight hour radius um we haven't even really gotten into texas or the south with this class yet um i'd have to look at the recruiting board and like see who we're chasing for this class but why the hell not i mean these guys have proven that they are pretty good recruiters once they can establish relationships um I say, why not? We can we can get bigger and better names, but yeah, this, this is a really good start.
0: I agree with you, and uh, I think that's all we got. Uh, this is the first show of the new year. Hey, we're going to keep rocking. We're going to try to get back to two shows a week. Um, basketball <coughs> might be rough. I mean, the next show is going to be quick take, hot take for an 8 p.m. tip with uh, TCU at home. Uh, it's going to be rough. Um, we're going to try to at least make these Sunday shows a little bit better. Yeah. Get a little bit better. We're going to try to make these Sunday shows. We're going to try to really keep up to date with anything going on football. Um, If anything else is happening in the world of K-State sports, um, try to do it because uh, quite frankly, I don't think that this will be nearly as fun uh, basketball talk as it's been uh, in the first, you know, year and a half of us doing it, but uh, we're going to, we're going to keep doing it. And, you know, if, if you're not going to, if we're not going to pod during the bad, I don't think we get to pod during the good. So, got to keep it going. I will say this with this show, we have officially recorded and released the show in three different years and two different decades. How about that? How about that? Two year anniversary right around the corner. We're going to keep rocking. Um, that's all we got. I love you guys. Uh, keep rocking. Happy New Year. Um, We'll see what happens. Grant, uh, address the boneheads, uh, and then we'll get out of here. Oh, no. Did you cut out right at the end? (laughs) All right. Uh, Meet Grant at the cat head, I guess. Yeah, you're gone. (laughs)
1: Hello?
0: Hello? Hello? You cut out. You cut out.
1: Oh, my God. That's so funny. I said meet me at the cat head, and then I guess I cut out. That's weird. (laughs) <laughs> well, that is what it is. All right. All right. Talk to you later. No, It's been a really, really messed up week. Seven days of torture, seven days of bitter, and my girlfriend went and cheated on me. She's a California dime, but it's time for me to quit her. La, 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 whatever. La, 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 it doesn't matter. La, 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 oh, well, la. With a strange tattoo Not sure how I got it Not a dollar in my pocket And it kinda looks just like you Mixed with that Galifianakis Uh. La 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 Whatever La 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 It doesn't matter La 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 Oh well
0: La la Yeah. Network.